Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. How's everybody doing? Good? It's fun to come uh, teach here this morning when there's a baby dedication. Baby dedications are awesome. So it's awesome to see the whole family uh, taking part in blessing the children and as a body to be able to respond accordingly. That's great. So, well, I'm excited to teach this morning. It's a privilege to be able to come and teach here. As we've been going through this series, the Names of God series, I Am, um, we've already kind of gone over a few different names, right? Uh, how's that been resonating with you guys? Anything pop out so far? You know I'm going to ask you something, make you uncomfortable. As we've been going through, we've been talking about, um, so far we've gone over the God is the creator. He's a holy God. Um, and because God's a crea- a, a cre- our creator, then we are creative, right? We are created in his image. Um, anything else? Anything stick out to anybody so far as we've been going through this that was new, that maybe God revealed to you, that maybe you weren't aware of before? Well, the hope is that as we're going through this, the goal of this, of this series is that as we learn more about God, as we learn more about his different his names, because all throughout Scripture there's many different names, the hope is that we can kind of see maybe a different side of God before, right? We could see, maybe learn more about his character, something that we weren't aware of. And as we learn more about who God is, and it shapes who we are, we then turn in worship because we understand him more, right? It's a lot easier to spend time with someone that you know and you know that they enjoy you. Right? So the hope is that we would get to know God more, and as we spend more time learning about his character and, and who he is, we'll recognize also how, how, how much he sees us and loves us, and that we would want to spend more time with him. Amen? So today, if you see on the bulletin, it says that we are talking about God as our shepherd. I don't know if I got that wrong, or if the other people got it wrong, but I'm not talking about that. <laughs> So I'm not. So you're not going to get the message on God as our shepherd, although that would be really great to teach on. I am talking about God as healer, God as our healer. Okay. So if you were coming expecting to hear me preach on or teach on God as our shepherd, that's for a different date. I don't know who that's going to be. So I hope. So I don't know how that got mixed up. Hopefully it wasn't on me. But so this idea of healer and healing or health. Um, what comes to mind when you think of the word health or heal? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of healthy, even? What's that? Wholeness. Wholeness. Okay. Anything else when you think of heal or healed or healthy? What comes to mind? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Doctors. Okay. Right? Would you say? Not sick. Absence of, right? Okay. Anything else? Feeling good, okay? Yeah, because we know what it feels like to not be healthy, right? And that's not, that's not great. Anything else when you think of... Now, how about healer? Healer specifically, right? In our cultural context right now, this isn't something that I think that's very common for us to think about, like, he's a healer. She's a healer. They're a he- You know what I mean? What do you think of? What's the first thing you think of healer? What do you think of? Maybe some, like, mystic person, right, that, like, may have, like, some 
you know, shaker things or whatever that, you know, and you start to think about like different movies and maybe images that you've had of what the healer is, right? Does any of that resonate with you? It's a little bit foreign, right? So this idea of maybe the healer, like we think of, we think of doctor, which we can wrap our heads around, but even then, isn't it true that if we think of a doctor, do we think of them as a healer? Or do we think of them as like a provider of something that's going to get us healed? I don't know. I'm just, I'm shooting from the hip based on what the thoughts are, right? So we, when we, don't, we, we oftentimes don't see the doctor or the nurse or the pra- whoever the practitioner is as the person who's going to actually be curing us of our disease or our sickness, right? We see them as the ones who are like, well, I see what's going on here, and based on this analysis, I think you need this antibiotic, right? Pop some pills for a couple of weeks, you know? But the idea of healer, I think, is it's a foreign concept to us. I think, and, 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 and probably not... And probably other cultures it probably isn't, right? There's a deeper faith in who God is where maybe there isn't as much um, maybe luxury that we might have that we can maybe go around God as healer and we can just go and get something. And then there's nothing wrong with that, right? But just the idea that we would be dependent and see God as our healer might be a little bit foreign. To think, it might be, we might have an easier time thinking of God as, our, as holy, even though we may not fully wrap our heads around what God's holiness is, we can see him maybe easier as holy, right? Or we could see him maybe easier as provider, right? But this idea of healer as God being healer, the Jehovah Rapha, the healer, it's a little bit foreign. So my hope is to take this morning, my hope this morning is that we can, is that we can go from like practical and logical and cognitive and move into, like, the spiritual, the supernatural, right? And to see that that's where God operates and he lives and that he's a spiritual being and that we are spiritual also and that there's this divide that we sometimes live in and hopefully we can close the gap a little bit and to expand our imaginations and expand our expectations and maybe expand our faith in who God is a little bit. And so I want to, ch- hopefully it'll come as an encouragement, but hopefully there might also be some challenge in there. Because as I'm reading this, as I'm studying it, I, I'm challenged, right? Oftentimes when we read the Bible, we read the stuff that people were doing in here, and we, and we match it up against our own lives, and there's a big divide, right, between what we see in Scripture and what we see actually happening in our lives. And so I, my hope, my prayer today is to be able to bring that in just a little bit. If maybe only like in our minds first, and then hopefully in practice throughout the weeks, okay? So, um, in order to do that, we're going to need the Holy Spirit's power, amen? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and ask that God would speak. Father, thank you for, the mo- for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to, to open up your word, God. And uh, I ask, Lord, that you would expand our imaginations today and increase our expectations in you so that we could hear you we could see you for who you are. God, I pray that if there's anything in our minds of who you are that needs to be corrected or changed, I pray that you would do that today. I pray that if there's anything in our minds where we've made you small, I pray that you would expand that. And I pray, though, that as we read your word today, we would see you, maybe even for the first time, as the one who restores, as the one who makes whole, as our healer. So I ask by the power of your spirit that you would speak today. In Jesus' name. Okay, so this word, 
that I think you said made whole, right? Is that right, Dennis? So the word, uh, it means, the, 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 the Hebrew word rafa, to heal or to cure or restore or to make whole is what we're looking at. That's the God who, with the God of Israel, is the one who makes whole, the one who heals. And so we see this, there's many different, there's so many different areas throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, where we could focus on who God is as the healer. So we, I just picked a few. So if you think that like, as we, when I get done, you're like, man, you missed this one, or you missed this one, like, I'm right there with you. Because there's this, this could be a whole, a whole big deal, right? There could be a whole series on God the healer, right? And so we see that um, in, in Exodus, tw- Exodus 15, so I ask you, op- open your Bibles if you have them with you, Exodus 15. So the context of Exodus 15 is where we see God say that he is the healer to the Israelites. And the whole long chapter of Exodus 15 is this song that the Israelites are singing to God in praise and thankfulness and gratitude for having just crossed the Red Sea. So if you recall, the Israelites had escaped from um, the tyranny of Pharaoh, right? And that was a very dramatic escape, right? With all these plagues that came, all these hardships that came to, to, in Egypt. And they were rescued by the hand of God and they were taken to the Red Sea and everyone said, oh no, what are we going to do? And God provided and split the Red Sea and they walked across and then right when they had crossed Everyone um, had crossed through safely. They're on dry land. Sea goes back, swallows up the Egyptians who were chasing them. So there's a deep sense of gratitude from being slave from tyranny, uh, freed from uh, slavery. And so now here where they're at this spot is they sing this wonderful song to God of gratitude, which we're not going to read, but I recommend that you do because we're going to get to the spot that I'm trying to focus in on. So we're going to read here in verse 26. Right before it, it says, there the Lord, so after they, after they went through, they needed, oh, so let me back up. So they come through, they get rescued beautifully, right? I'm going to read actually verse 22. So they get rescued, and then in verse 22 it says, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Then they came to Marah. They could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? This is often the case for the Israelites, which is often the case for us. God does something miraculous and wonderful, and we have a very short attention span, right? We're like, oh my gosh, thank you for saving me. Wait, what? I have to be patient? Wait, what? You're not going to provide? And we also kind of like, the Israelites are so great to go back and study because they remind us so much of how, how short our attention span is and how good God is. So, they, so they're crying out because there's no water to drink, and there's probably a lot of fear there, right? There's a lot of fear because like, man, we just came through this miraculous thing, and now we're here. There's bitter water to drink. Great. So wonderful. This happens pretty often. Like, we wish we would have been back in Egypt, or at least we had something to eat, right? And so Moses cries out on behalf of the people. He cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And there he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to my voice, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the disease on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord 
your healer. I am the Lord, your healer. So he just rescued them. He just saved them. And what he says to them is, I am your healer. I, the Lord, am your healer. We see later in Malachi, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. Right? So this is the theme. If he was the healer then for the people of Israel, who is he today? He's the healer today because the Lord does not change. They weren't even inflicted with the disease. He was just saying, there was all these plagues that came to Egypt. You didn't get that. You know why? It wasn't because you were lucky. It's because I am the Lord, your healer. So hope, and then he provides. He provides sweet water for them to drink in the desert. Right? And so we need to see, we need to have our minds expanded that God is our healer. So God is their healer then, and he's our healer now. And that's still a pretty wide gap. Right? There's still a pretty wide gap between where the Israelites were and where we are today. But we need to understand that God was the healer of the Israelites. And, the, and him being their healer was coming with like a covenant. Right? If you follow me. If you watch your ways, if you adopt to the way that I'm calling you to live, then I'm going to do this. So there's this covenant, right, that we need to be faithfully committed to him. And with the covenant is the promise. I'm not going to inflict you with the disease that the Egyptians had, right? It's because I am the Lord, your healer. We see again in Chronicles, right after Solomon had dedicated and built the temple, he has a long prayer, right? Long prayer of dedication. This is in 2 Chronicles 7, where, where Solomon finished the work and built the temple, and it was glorious and it was beautiful. And after something wonderful had happened, just like the Israelites coming through in the Red Sea, there's this long prayer of thankfulness, and they cry out to God. And so we're going to see this in Chronicles 2. I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles 7. So it says 2 Chronicles Uh, 7, verse 13 and 14. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as the house of sacrifice. This is so interesting. And when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and hear and heal their land. So this verse is probably a pretty common verse for some of us that we've heard. If my people who are called by my name will do this, 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 then I will do this, this, this. This is coming right on the heels of him saying, if when I shut the heaven and there's no rain, so God is in control of everything, right? Like he's sovereign and he's above everything that we know right and he's saying if when this happens you turn to me i will forgive you and i will heal your land i will heal your land so he's the healer of our bodies he's the healer of our souls he's in control of everything he's the healer of their land so that's not something that we're very common that's not common to us right so god is the provider this this message here of god as healer comes pretty close up against what, with God as provider, right? And so that's going to be something that we're going to, that we're going to uh, teach on later, or I think Justin or Shannon will be. But when you see God is saying these simple truths, here's the covenant and here's the promise. 
I promise to you that I will be your provider. I will be your healer. I need you to recognize me. I need you to follow me with humility. I need you to be fully dedicated to me. And in so doing, I will then continue to be who I have been, and you will be freed from sin, you'll be forgiven of your sin, and you will be healed. And you'll be healed. So this is this big picture that's weaved throughout the Old Testament and the Israelite story is that God is the healer and that God is the provider and that God is holy, but God is the healer. So it's still nebulous for us. It's still nebulous for us, I think. At least for me it is. I'm like, okay, I, I get that. We start to see in Psalms with David, he's crying out. You, 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 read, you read the Psalms and you see David crying out continually. And he calls out for healing. In, ver- in Psalm 6 too, he says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My bones are troubled. You feel the pain that, that David has, and he cries out to God for healing. Heal me. And then you see this also in Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So we're not just talking about a physical healer, right? Sometimes we can maybe get too stuck on just the physical. We're like, God, can you please do this? And he's like, I want to heal your land. I want to I heal your heart. And I want to heal who you are. Right? So we see this in, we see this in the New Testament too. This one isn't in my notes, but as I'm thinking about it, right? When, when Jesus, when Jesus uh, prays for someone for their sins to be healed, he, he says, hey, your sins are forgiven. And everyone's like, what? What are you doing? You can't do that. It's like, what's easier? For me to say your sins are forgiven or for you to be healed? Why don't you stand up and walk? So Jesus, we'll get to this in a little bit. I'm getting ahead. Jesus uses healing as a way to show that he's God, right? He uses healing to show that he is God. So he heals people's bodies. He keeps people from disease, the Israelites. He heals people's, he heals their land, right? And he heals the brokenhearted. So when we think about like our own bodies and our own like ourselves, if you will, that we're made up of not just body, right? We're mind, body, spirit. And so much of who we are needs the touch of the healer. Not just so that our, disease, our physical illnesses are gone, but so our hearts and our souls can be healed. So that the, and, and this is the great thing about our God. The great thing about our God in comparison to all other gods is that he sees, we learn this, he sees us, he feels us, he knows us. As much as he's holy and majestic, he's near and he touches and he heals, right? And so you see this God who is above all else, the creator of the world, who still wants to have the relationship with his people and touch and have the relationship and heal, not just your bodies, your mind and your soul, and bring freedom. Amen? This is a powerful, this is a powerful picture of God. Not this nebulous king who's absent, who's off in some foreign land while the peasant people just grind it out. I think sometimes we get that idea and there's that gap between us. God is our provider. He's holy. He sees us. And he knows our pain. He knows the Israelites' pain. He knew the anxiety and the fears that the Israelites have when they cross through the Red Sea. I'm like, now what? He's like, I can make that bitter water sweet. And I can heal you, and I will. I w- but more than just healing your physical pain, I want you to know that I'm your God. So I want all of you. 
I want all of you. And he wanted that then, and he wants that now from us. Sometimes we just want what we think we need, right? We say, God, if you would just do this. He's like, how would I give you all of me? Then what? Well, is that going to? That can take care of my cold. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, but sometimes, sometimes we don't even ask for God to take care of our cold because we, we, we think he's too small. We have, a too, we have too low view of God. We have these low expectations of who he is, and we don't expand our minds and grow in faith to see God as our healer. Right? So here's this idea. In the Old Testament, that's who God was to his people. We see the Israelites experiencing freedom and healing and rescue we see David crying out to God saying, hey, heal me. I, need my, I feel pain in my bones. I need my heart to be, I need, I need healing in my heart. Would you do that? Right? And he does. And he does. So all of this idea of God caring for his people and being the healer, then all comes into focus with the man Jesus as Jesus comes in, into he embodies God in the flesh and comes into the, the lives of humans, right? In the flesh, on the ground, walking around. And you start to see how Jesus operates. You do a study on Jesus' healing. He healed so much. So much of what Jesus did in his public ministry was one of healing. And he did it for two reasons. He did it for two reasons. I don't know what, which one comes first, but the big ones that I saw was that he did it because he wanted to show, he wanted to show how big and how, how good God was. Everything Jesus ever did was, was to show people the Father and to reflect the Father. And he wanted people to see the power that God had and that he was God and so people would get healed. Also, the other wonderful thing about Jesus, and hopefully this is going to resonate with you, Jesus was God. He was God. And he comes down in the flesh and he interacts with humanity and he felt the pain. He felt the pain of people and moved with, all throughout scripture will say, moved with compassion. He did this. Because of the pity he felt, he acted in this way. Right? And so in his feeling towards his people, people were healed. Were healed. And as they were healed, people said, this isn't just an ordinary man. We see the power of God at work. So we see in Mark 1, so, a lot, most, so Jesus' ministry really became to have, be more public as he started to heal people. And you'll notice he would heal people and say, don't say anything to anybody. It's so funny, right? Don't say anything to anybody. And they're like, yeah, okay. It's like, great. They turn around, he's like, oh my gosh, I met this guy, he healed me. You know, it's like you're three-year-olds, you know. <laughs> and that's what was going on because it wasn't, it wasn't time yet. They say, just keep this under wraps real quick because then Jesus would go into a city and the word was out about Jesus being a healer. So people would bring all of their sick and all of their demon-possessed would come so that Jesus could come and heal them physically and spiritually, right? So there's this verse, this great verse, and Mark 1. Now, some of this stuff is Sunday school stuff that we've heard a lot of times, but if we focus on it, hopefully new light comes to it. So Mark 140, it says in verse, it says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And it says, Jesus said in verse 41, Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and was made clean. 
So, if you know anything about leprosy, which I'm no expert, I just know that, like, you don't touch people with leprosy, right? This is super, like, there's this, like, whole physical piece of, like, the, the, just the, the shame, or there's the, the physical piece of just having leprosy, and then the shame that comes from having this disease that makes you disfigured. And this man saw something, this leper saw something, and Jesus said, if you're able, if you will, and Jesus moved with pity, said, yeah, I am. And he reached out and he touched him and healed him, right? He touched him. So for us, I don't want this just to be a verse that we read and, and mark and be like, yeah, that's cool. I'm so glad that I'm so glad that that leper had the courage to go up to Jesus and ask him to heal him. But this leper, he had the courage to ask him to do it. So what does that look like for us? What thing have we, what shame do we have on us today that we think we can't talk to God about or we can't bring to Jesus? A, he already knows it. B, he wants to heal you, right? So do we have the courage and the faith like this leper to say, hey, you know what? I know that culture and society has marginalized me. I know that I shouldn't come up and talk to you, but I'm going to do it. You know why? Because I'm so desperate. I'm so desperate for a touch of something real and a touch from God. I'm going to put myself out there. And Jesus, filled with pity, said to him, yeah, I'm able. And he touches him and he heals him. That's powerful, right? So we look in Luke 2, or Luke 7, rather. Luke 7, verse 21. In that hour he healed many people of disease and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind he bestowed, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go, oh, I'm sorry, let me, let me back up. I, I read the wrong verse. So this is great. This, I, this, is, so, this is so wonderful. Okay, so I got ahead of myself. So, this, so Jesus is ministering, right? And John the Baptist, his cousin, who he loved him, right? He, he gets put in jail. And he's like, man, I baptized you. I was talking about you. I was, I, was, I was calling people out in repentance, saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. This is John the Baptist's ministry, right? And he's saying all these wonderful things about Jesus. And Jesus is still kind of flying below the radar, right? So Jesus goes and gets baptized by John the Baptist. And um, this is a few you know, chapters later. And now John the Baptist gets tossed in jail. And he's doubting that Jesus is who he says he is right? And he starts to doubt, and he's just like, man, what? I missed something. I missed. This was the Messiah who was supposed to come and save us, and now here I am in jail. What gives? Like, who are you who you said you are? Like, what's going on? So, so John the Baptist instructs his, his, he instructs his disciples to go to Jesus and ask him, hey, are you the one, or are we supposed to wait for someone else? I love that. I love that so much that John's like, man, I'm sitting here in prison, you're out there. Who knows what you're doing? Are you the one? Are you the one? We're just waiting for someone else because I may have got this wrong. And the answer that Jesus provides is so awesome. It's so great. This is the proof. This, Jesus uses this language to prove, yeah, I'm the one. I'm the Messiah. He says, go tell John this in verse 22. Go tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. He never answers him, which is so awesome. It's so awesome. John was close to Jesus. How could Jesus have answered that? He could have been like, yeah, man, I am the one. You baptized me. What's wrong with you? Just don't you trust me? 
You know what? Sometimes we need more than that. God in his goodness will give us the answer that we need more than the answer than we want. Right? So if you're John and you get that message and you're just like, wait, what did he say? He said, well, the dead are getting raised back to life. The deaf are hearing. The blind are seeing. I'm seeing lepers who don't have leprosy anymore. And the poor are hearing the good news of the gospel. And the disciples are probably like, so is it him? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, what? what is it? And, and John's like, my bad. <laughs> you know? Like, yep, he's the one. He's the one. I love, I love that human, like humanizing of like, I just love, that's why I love Peter so much because Peter was so human and, and, and so silly sometimes, you know, and you hear John say, hey, man, you're the one. And, John, and Jesus answers, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. You said the kingdom of God was at hand. You said I was the Messiah and the Savior. Here's what's happening. I'm coming to heal people. I'm coming to have people get freed. And the poor are getting good news preached to them. And it's that I'm here. And it's that I came to redeem and to save and to make whole. Is that enough? I don't think he was snarky. I hope he, maybe he was. I doubt he was snarky, honestly. But he could have been, right? It's so, so, I love that so much. So one more example about how God, about how Jesus feeling compassion. Um, this is, again, really interesting, the human side of Jesus. So in Matthew 14, Jesus, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there. I'm not going to give the context there just because i, I got to keep running. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. And when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. So Jesus is a great model and a great example. Jesus, fully God and fully human, on earth with a mission from his Father to call back the people, to bring, to heal the people, right? To bring the message of the gospel, right? That they are loved, that we are loved people, and that God in his holiness needed to have someone to pay for the sins of humanity, and that Jesus was going to be the one to come and take that penalty to the cross and redeem his people back to him, defeating Satan, sin, and death, right? That was the message of Jesus. That's the story of the gospel. And here's the deal. He's fully human and fully God, and he still needed to go away to spend time with the Father. Now, these, this is one of those sub-points in the message, right? This isn't like the main story of this message, that God's the healer. But we see throughout this that Jesus needed to spend time with the Father. He needed to spend, so he would pull himself away to get refueled by the, by the, by the Father, Right? And the people came out in droves because they needed something. They saw, they're like, man, this guy, they probably didn't really recognize who he was, but they're like, I don't care. He can heal me of my pain. So we're coming. I'm going to snatch you up and I'm going to bring you. Hey, there's this guy who heals. Let's go see him. And he was already in a position of like quiet and solitude away. And he was filled with compassion. He went ashore and saw the great crowd. Now, Jesus was spending time with his father. Right? He had gone away to receive from the Father, and he came in, and there was a crowd waiting for him. And his response was, he had compassion on them and, and healed their sick. So I love, I love, love, love this, that this nebulous God of the Old Testament sometimes, if I'm confessing to you, it's hard for me to reach and grab sometimes to understand who God is. So that's why I always need to ask and pray that God would speak to me more clearly about who God is. He can, we will never be able to fully comprehend who God is. So the great thing is we can just keep learning 
and expanding and knowing more about who he is. But then we see God who does not change, which Malachi tells us, the God of the Old Testament embodied in the life of Jesus comes to earth and heals the sick and feels their pain, right? And then here's the thing that's crazy. He says to his disciples to go out and do the same. This is the part where you're going to start to feel uncomfortable. He says to go out and does, in Mark, he says to go out and heal the sick. Not pray for if God wills it, go out and heal the sick. That's uncomfortable for me. That's uncomfortable. Right? And there's this whole debate, which is a whole other story, but there's a whole debate in Christendom today about whether healing is supposed to be for today or if that was just for a time of the apostles and if all this kind of stuff, if that was just then, that was just then, that was for the apostles to get their kind of like, cut their teeth in ministry and to show who they were as Jesus' apostles and healing was for then, it's not a requirement for now. That's one position today. Those are cessationists, okay? Then there's other people who are of the, of, the, of the belief that are called continuationists, that what was happening then continues throughout church history and continues even now, right? And that God can still heal and will still heal, and God still performs miracles and does perform miracles, right? And so we sometimes look at these kind of things and we're like, ah, I don't want to be part of conflict. I don't want to be part of that, like, controversy. I'm just going to step away from it, right? And, so, and honestly, sometimes that can be a cop-out for us. It can be a cop-out for us where we're just like, you know what, I, I'm going to find the verse that says, lead a quiet life, because that's in there too, right? But it also says, heal the sick, right? And so I think sometimes we get this, we get this wrong because of, our, because of our experience, right, and the experiences that we have want to dictate our theology, and I want to challenge that. I want us to be a people who believe that God, is, God never changes, right? So does he want people to be healed? Yes. Now here's, the, here's, the, here's where the rubber hits the road, and here's the elephant in the room. Is it on us or is it on God? That's a debate you can have with, with well-believing people, right? They'll say, well, no, it's on us. It's a matter of faith, right? It's a matter of faith. And it's true. It is a matter of faith. But I'll say this. God, God's going to do whatever he wants to do. And I think, he, I think more can happen if we had more faith, yes, but I'm never going to hold, I'm never going to strong-arm God and be like, you have to heal because you said you would heal and you told me to do this, right? But I do know that there's a long way for us to go long before we become those people, I think, right, where we're like, well, God doesn't always heal and this and that, like, Let's table that for a second. Let's not let like, the nuances of the controversy stop us from just humbly submitting to the Father and saying, man, what are you speaking to me about this, about your character? What are you speaking to me right now? Do I believe that you can heal? Or do I only believe in my own ability and my own faith and my own ability to control the situation? Are we too cognitive and logical to think that God could heal? Are we too... Have we conditioned ourselves so far so much that like we just don't want to deal with that part of it. We'd rather just deal with the part where just like we're sinners saved by grace and we're off to heaven and between now and then we could just lead a quiet life and not do much, right? I don't know. I'm asking you. I'm compelled to think that God is, a, is still in the business of healing people. 
physically, emotionally, spiritually, at all the realms. I'm still, and I'm also of the opinion of the persuasion that it's up to him. And so I don't know when he's going to choose to heal and when not to heal. I do know it's up to us to step in and be faithful and ask God to heal. Right? And we don't demand that God do things. We humbly submit to him. Right? And we have, sometimes we can have these prayers of presumptions. Well, God said he was going to do it, so he better do it. Who's getting the glory in that deal? Oftentimes we are, right? So let me make this a little easier for you, right? So, I mean, I don't know how often you guys in your daily lives are like praying for each other for healing, right? Maybe you are. I know, some, I know a lot of times I'm not, you know? I think our kids probably do a better job of it, actually. Hey, why don't we just pray? And that's got to heal. And then when we do get healed, we're like, well, that actually worked, <laughs> you know? That's, it's embarrassing, right? Let us have a higher view of who God is and just practice this. What's the worst thing that could happen if we're submitted in humility to God and asking that he act? What's the worst thing that could happen? Not much, right? So like yesterday, for example, I was at my house. Kirsten and I were working all day. It was a rainy day, so it was a great day to clean up the house, and we're just like going to town. And I'm like busting out stuff in the basement, moving stuff around. It's all dusty and stuff. And so I keep coughing. This is so funny. I, was, I, I kept coughing throughout the day just because of the dust. And a friend of mine stopped over, great man, great man of God, and he stopped over and just to pop, he's like, hey, it's in the neighborhood. I'm like, oh, yeah, man, we're like knee-deep in project mode, you know, and I keep coughing. I keep coughing. I, you know, he didn't know what was going on. He's like, oh, brother, man. He's like, let me pray for you. And he just lays his hand on me, and I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. I get to tell this story tomorrow, you know, because, like, I mostly just had dust in my lungs, but that's not the point. The point was that he's like, oh, man, you're suffering? You got a cough? I believe Jesus can heal you. I'm going to pray for you right now. And you know what? I was blessed by that. And I think he was blessed by that. Now, it was mostly just because I had dust in my lungs, right, from cleaning stuff out. But that's not the point of the story, so don't get stuck on that. The point of the story was I was in my house cleaning normal, boring, everyday stuff. And a brother in Christ stopped by in the normal, boring, everyday, right, and saw that I was sick. Right? That's what he thought. He's like, brother, I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, heal this man. Just cough, go away. And I, tell, I, I kid you not, I'm just like, this is awesome. This is so awesome that he just did it. So let's do that. Let's do that. Let's, let's trust that God is who he says he is. And let's practice praying for people. Let's practice praying for people. And let's not do it in a presumptuous way, but let's do it in, an ex, in a highly expectant way. Let's raise our expectations on who God is. Amen? Let's do that. And let's, let's, let's be aware that like, sometimes we just make our world small. I'm reading this book right now called Recapturing Wonder. Oh, man, it's just really challenging about the idea that we can just like, we can reference stuff in Scripture and believe that, we, that, it's, that it's real, but we don't ever actually see it. So we become like these people who are just kind of like, oh, yeah, back in this day, da, da, da. you know what I mean? And we start to talk about things and, 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 and share about stories of places that we've never been. Let that not be the case. Let us see, for who, let's see God for who he is and take the risk. Let's take the risk of maybe being misunderstood. Let's pray. And, you know, who knows? It's up to God for the healing to happen. You know, it's up to, it's up to God for the healing to happen. I've had, I, so my mom, I think I share this almost every time because a lot of this shaped my life. My mom had cancer. She got cancer at 40 years old, and we had eight kids. She had eight kids at the time. She gave birth to my daughter at two months, and she, man, did, were people praying that she would get healed, right? Or my, my, my sister was two months old, sorry, um, when my mom died. We prayed. 
People were praying all over the world that she would get healed, right? And she didn't get healed. She died. Now, I don't know. I hope that that doesn't shape my theology more than it should, right? Because I had some people challenge me and say, you know what? If you guys would have had more faith, your mom wouldn't have died, which that's some stones right there, I say, you know? But like, you know what? God in his goodness, I think, protected us from bitterness, hopefully, on that. I can seriously say that with all sincerity. I still know God to be true. I still know that God operates outside of time, too. He operates outside of our own time continuum. So I believe my mom's more than healed, right? Like, she's in the presence of the, the king, worshiping him in a new body. Man, praise God for that. Amen? Amen? So yeah, did God heal her? Heck, yeah, he did, right? It just wasn't on our timeline. It wasn't on our timeline now. So we still pray and we still ask that God would align his timeline with the timeline that we have here. And sometimes he said yes, and sometimes he says no. But the onus is on us to believe that God is who he says he is and to take the risk and to step out in faith and to ask and pray that he do the thing that's miraculous and that doesn't make sense here on the earthly terms. So that's what's on us. Who do, whether people are healed or not, that's not up to us. I do think we have a long way to go, and I do think that there's some mystery, and I don't have this all figured out. There is some mystery tied to the idea of faith and healing. It's tied, and some people who have the gift of faith, that's where healing takes place. It's a whole other preaching, but there's a real thing. You see people, men and women of God, where you're just like, how do they live their life? How do they do that? Their life doesn't make any sense. And they just live by faith, and God always provides. And they seem to have, like, a little bit more closer presence with the Father than we do. And who knows why? It's not like this varsity JV thing either, right? It's just God gives gifts however he wants. And so my prayer for us is that we would all grow in our expectation, that we would all ask for the spiritual gifts, that we would all ask for more faith, that we would ask for more courage, and we'd start to see things happen, right? Because I think... We can't, there's nuances and there's mystery and there's debate and all this stuff. Let's not get stuck on that. Let's not get stuck on that. Because when I read through here, I hear Jesus, I hear God say, if my people humbly follow me, if my people who are called by my name will submit themselves, right? All of this language of I'm God and I love you, know your, know your place and it's good. So I'm convinced that the healing that takes place is for God's glory and our good as a result, right? So the challenge is for us to grow in our expectations of God and to see God heal. Oh, I wanted to read this one quote to you guys. There's a really, okay, I'm going to read this. So this is a guy, Sam Storms. I've been reading his book, Practicing the Power. It's really, really good. Many in the church today will say that they believe that God still heals, but rarely, if ever, do they actually lay hands on the sick and pray with any degree of, ex, of ex, expectation that he will one reason is that they often confuse praying expectantly with praying presumptuously. Expectant prayer flows from the recognition that Jesus healed people because he loved them and felt compassion for them. I mostly just felt like I needed to read that, that quote just because almost a lot of the things that I've just been preaching on have been coming from this book that I've been re- learning from. So the idea is that we don't arrogantly demand of God but that we humbly expect more from him, right? And to see him as the healer then, 
to see him as the healer now and to see him as the healer in the future. And we're not just talking physical healing. I went way too long on just this one piece. There's a whole idea of like mental, emotional healing that God is in the business of doing. And if we were able to hear from him and step into the role of who he called us to be, I believe more healing would take place than if we just sat on the sidelines and waited for God to show up. So while we sometimes have a hard time believing that God still does miracles, we still want him to. I want to see more done. I want to see more power. I want to see more healing. I want to see more wonders. I want to, wa- I want to see the watching world have our God act and have them say, you guys are crazy. It doesn't make any sense, but I can't deny it. I can't deny it. So for us to operate in the power of the Spirit and to see the wondrous things that he wants to see happen for his glory and for his name and for his fame'sake, to, he ultimately wants to expand the kingdom, right? To have more people know who he is. So if that requires us to have a larger view of him and maybe a smaller view of our own abilities, I'm in. I'm in. Who's with me? So, with all of this, we're going to head up, we're, we're going to head into worship now. We're going to head into worship now. All right. So, just like God sent his son Jesus, right? God, the ultimate healer, he sent Jesus, his son, the perfect embodiment of God, to come and heal and to suffer, to take the power of sin away. I think he's calling us to do the same. I think he's calling us to see him, see him bigger, to see that he has more power and to live accordingly. And so hopefully the, the message today is one of encouragement and challenge, right? That we expand our views a little bit. And, ple- and also this too, please do not like go in the blog world and read all the stuff about like God healing and not healing in the church and all that kind of stuff. And try not to have the conversations land in areas that we can so easily do on the nuances and in the margins of this conversation. Spend more time in his word, reading about how Jesus healed. Spend more time praying with your, with your family or with, in your community, asking that God pastor you and serve you in this so that we can see more of his power. Amen? All right, I'm going to pray for us then, because I think we're going to need it. <laughs> Father, thank you for this morning. I got to pray that you would expand our view of you. And we're so thankful that you are the healer. God, you tell us that without faith, it is impossible to please you. God, and it's faith that requires us to step out into the areas that we're uncomfortable in to see you act and to see you move in the mysterious, Lord. I ask so that you would increase our faith in you. I pray that you would increase our expectation on you and I ask that we would be blessed by being humble before you, seeing you as the healer. And I pray that our lives would look differently because of it. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.